It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 55 at AM 750. W955 at AM 750. WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I am here to help you, wherever you are, be more successful in your landscape. Whatever you want to do, whatever you care to do, whatever stage of gardening you're in, whether you are a beginner, whether you are an experienced gardener, whether you're an organic gardener, whether you're a synthetic gardener, whether you want to talk just about your lawn or just about your houseplants or whatever you want to talk about, for the next three hours, from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., we will talk about your problems and how you can do it better and how to make it simple and easy. Least amount of work. I'm a least amount of work kind of guy. And I have the answers here based on research and tempered a little bit with experience in my life as a gardener to give you the answers that you need. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. Man, oh man, this has been a week. Last two or three or four days. Is warmed up, my friends, and the temptation. <laughs> you know it. I mean, it is worse than it is worse than that chocolate-covered popcorn stuff that I gave Scott and Ashley back during Christmas. The Christmas crack. You remember the chocolate-covered popcorn that I gave them for a Christmas present, and that stuff just calls your name every day. You want to have another handful of it, and when it's warm outside, right now it's sixty-two degrees outdoors when it's warm outside in march you think man man i gotta go out i gotta plant something now maybe my garden got tomatoes let's put the corn in my friends remember what you were doing easter 2007 let's cast our cast our memories back cast our memories back to easter 2007 remind me what the temperature was then 26 degrees. Did things get frozen? Oh, we had a wonderful warm March that year. Oh, man, the hydrangea leaves were three, maybe four inches long. The crepe myrtles had come out really big. Lots of leaves on crepe myrtles. Figs had big hand-sized leaves on the figs. And they got zapped. They got killed. They got frozen. They got crinkled. They got blackened. It was misery. All throughout Atlanta, Easter 2007, following a very, very warm March. Many of you right now are <laughs> repeating what your grandmother and what your aunt and what your dad and your mother and all said, which was, you don't plant until tax day. You don't plant until the 1st of April. Don't plant. They have certain rules. And not a one of them said plant on March the 10th. No, they did not. March the 12th. No, they did not. They said wait my friends, even though there are a couple of things you can plant now. All right, I'll give you that. There are a couple of things you can plant now. The cool season, they call them cool season crops like broccoli, lettuce, um, cabbage, cauliflower, things like that. Yeah, you can plant those now. Trees and shrubs? Yeah, no problem. Planting trees and shrubs now, as long as you promise to water them during the summertime, you can still do that. Squash, tomatoes, corn. No, 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 no. Eggplant, get out of here. We're not planting our vegetable garden with any of the warm season things yet. But if you have a question about how to prepare your raised beds, how to make sure that your, your vegetables do well this year, 
Again, our number, 404-872-0750. Comes now from the wilds of Spalding County, our friend Nicole, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeve. What is going on with you? <laughs> I remember that year. The day before, I planted some lettuce, and oh. the, the next day there was an inch of snow on top of it, and that I said, good grief. Crazy, 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 crazy. I remember that that was, let me see, the week or the few days after that, I remember we had scheduled going to Callaway Gardens to tape television. It was supposed to be pretty. I mean, my gosh, you want TV to be pretty. And we did a whole series of things on this is what it looks like when this plant gets frozen. This is what it looks like when this plant gets frozen. Because that's all we had. Mm. Uh, I want to talk about four-legged creature. <laughs> all right. Oh, gossip is a bad thing, but we can gossip about four-legged creatures all we want to. What's on your mind? Well, I have a utility building in the back, and one morning, well, this week, um, all this dirt was off the building. I mean, just like a two, uh, four-legged, like two uh, really uh, front leg, really strong. It took all the dirt off. Then I saw this dead possum. (laughs) So the possum was in the middle, tried to get away from something and he didn't even eat the possum so what do you think it is i don't think it had a i think the death of the possum was coincidental to the hole by the shed because possums i mean they sort of die just out of just out of habit just to see what'll happen a possum is not a long-lived creature but i'll bet you the digging there could be armadillo Armadillos are, that's exactly what they do, Nicole. They dig big holes, they throw the dirt around, trying to make a little place to make a den and to have their little armadillo babies. And that would be my first guess. And the possum just got in the way or got excited, had a heart attack, one or the other. So, uh, what's the predator of a possum? Uh, cars, <laughs> SUVs. Um, I'm sure that coyotes will eat a possum, sure. Um, what else would eat a possum? Not many things. Not many things. And, and if it were a coyote, they would eat it. If it was a car, it would be dead on the side of the highway. If it's dead next to the utility building in the backyard, something could, I guess, have brought it and dropped it and been scared away. But that, to me, is not nearly as likely as having some other digging creature. And you got armadillos out the wazoo in Spalding County. I'm guessing armadillo. So uh, was, would the fox do that? No. Well, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Press me a little bit, and I'll say, yes, you're right. Foxes can dig holes. Foxes can dig dens like that. So it's possible. you got foxes in, in uh, Spalding County, too. And But would a fox grab a possum and bring it over there? Maybe. All right, you talked me into a corner, Nicole. I will concede that, yes, possibly foxes. Well, the other day there was a, a, a red fox uh, just die in the street in the middle of the day. Oh and I stopped by to see, you know, and uh, it just happened. It was still warm. Right. And I said, boy, i got to go and pet this thing, you know. Yeah. But I was looking at the fur, and I was looking at the teeth, and I said, oh, shoot. That, my cat cannot possibly hold on against no, the fox. No, we no, are no. so... Sharp. A fox will eat kittens and larger cats. Coyotes certainly eat kittens and larger cats. Um, 
It's possible, I guess, that the thing underneath your shed would be a coyote, but coyotes usually take advantage of natural dens. They go into places where logs have fallen. They make a little den underneath there. They're not so much about digging holes, it's my observation. Possibly coyote, but I'm still going back to most likely armadillo, maybe fox, and maybe not on the coyote. You know, since they cut the the wood in the back, yeah. I, have, I have a little snake. It's just... Um, the cat play with them, but I think they know because the head is rectangular. Right. So you know it's a poisonous snake, you know. I don't know. I think cats maybe are just curious about things that crawl on the ground, and so cats will play with them, whether they're uh -huh. poisonous or not. I think some cats are just curious. Just hit it with our paw. Just see what happens with that snake. And if it strikes out, the cats are usually quick enough to draw back and not be bitten by anything. So what kind of snake would it be? It's got yellow line all the way down to this. Garter snake. Isn't it? Isn't garter it? snake, yeah. I saw a little brown snake the other day. They're, they're called garden snakes, or the brown ones that don't. They have sort of a little triangle on their back. They're only about six inches long, maybe little brown snakes, garden snakes we call them. And then the garter snake is the one that has the yellow stripe going all the way from the head to the tail. Uh, I went to the Department of Forestry one time because I was new here. I didn't know about snakes. <laughs> I, was, uh -huh. I was asking this guy, I said, what kind of snake? So he gives me this big poster. And they're all kind of snakes. said, do you want to yeah, bring it home? Sure. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot sleep if I have this in my house. For sure. Those snakes <laughs> might come into your house and look at themselves and say, ooh, there's, there I am, looking real pretty right there on that poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Nicole, it's 617. i got to go, but it's great talking to you. Enjoy your day. We'll see you next Saturday. 617 on a Saturday morning. Coming up in the next half hour, Betty in Monroe has a corn plant, not the outdoor corn plant, the indoor corn plant that has blooms on it. She wants a little explanation of that. John has daffodils coming up, no flowers on them. Paul and Noonan wants to transplant a magnolia. And boy, I've got good advice for Paul Rod in Quilliam's Corner. Wants to know how to keep monkey grass out of weeds. If you want to call 404-872-0750, you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It is warm right now, and it's going to get warmer this afternoon. 62.5 degrees right now, up into the higher 60s and the 70s probably, and clear overnight, we think. Stay tuned. We'll have the full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ron's down in Quilliam Corners and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ron. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, sir. How can I help? I have got uh, about 30 uh, round sprigs of monkey grass that separate the yard from the walkway. Yeah. And I get uh, all kind of weeds inside the monkey grass, like... Uh, crabgrass and chickweed and stuff like that. I'm wondering how do I keep that stuff out of the monkey grass? Because once it's started inside, it's hard to get it out. The easiest stuff is to use a pre-emergent to prevent crabgrass in the summer and to prevent chickweed in the winter. 
The chickweed, unfortunately, that's already emerged, so you can't use a pre-emergent on it. Honestly, all you're going to have to do with that, Ron, is pull it out with your hands. They can't do right. anything about chickweed and not hurt the monkey grass. Um, as far as the crabgrass, though, and any other summer weeds that come, put a pre-emergent out there. One of the products is labeled for use on landscape plants. Now, and labeling is important because some products are labeled for use on lawns. Some are labeled for use on landscape plants because they've been tested. Read the label and check out the... Uh, Preen Southern Weed Preventer, I think it's the name of it. Preen Southern Weed Preventer. Read the label and see if it doesn't say monkey grass. Cause okay. Of the things. All right. Well, March that's all I need. March 1st would be a good time to put down the pre-emerge for the summer weeds, and September 1st would be a good time to put down the pre-emerge for the winter weeds. Put it on your calendar, Ron. All right. I'll thank you for your help. All right, man. We'll see you. Um, if we get real quick in here, Betty's been waiting a long time. Let's talk about Betty's little corn plant. Betty, good morning. Those gosh awful blooms on that corn plant. What Somebody should have warned me about that. They smell, don't they? Oh, yeah, and I've had allergies all week, <laughs> unable to work in this pretty weather until I finally, you know, figured out what it was, cut them off, and yeah. threw them out. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They will bloom. It's definitely uh, not a unheard of thing for corn plants to bloom, but they are fragrant beyond belief. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's awful, and... Uh, they should have a warning or something on them, I think, since I've lost all this pretty weather working because of them. They don't often bloom. I don't think they need a warning on there, but they, <laughs> folks need to be aware. Let's put it that an sure. awareness that a yeah. uh, corn plant will occasionally bloom. Not everybody's corn plant is going to do it under the right conditions indoors uh, with some sunshine. Yeah, sometimes. And now, Betty, you know that when you see that bloom appear, take it scissors off. to it. Cut it off. Give it to Get, somebody else. Get rid of it. Okay. I will do that thing. All right. Thank <laughs> Thanks you. Thanks for calling, Betty. Mm -hmm. We'll see you soon. Don't forget, tomorrow is Sunday. You get your Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. What can you find? You can find a report on legislators who pass bills that only help themselves learn who's lining their pockets now, plus $375 in coupon savings. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. What the fuck It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.35 on a Saturday morning, 62 degrees outside. Welcome, friends. I'm glad you're here. Together we get to talk about gardening and ask simple questions, hard questions. It doesn't really matter. If you don't know the name of a plant, it doesn't really matter. If you're a beginner and just have a seed in your hand wondering what to do with it, it doesn't matter. If you need to know how to be more successful gardening, this is the place you get your answer. 404-872-0750. John's up in Ball Ground, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? What's up? I've got a lot of jonquils or daffodils that have come up with just greenery, no flowers on them. <laughs> How long have they been in that spot? Uh, a couple of years. Just a couple, not ten? No, not ten, no. Right. You know, crowding is the reason I'm asking. You know, crowding, it causes them not to bloom sometimes. There's just too much competition when they get crowded up. So uh, most of the time after three to five years is when you think about dividing a clump of bulbs. Is it in the shade or in full sun, John? 
Uh, some are in the shade, some are in sun. I mean, they're just scattered throughout the yard area. It is possible that that you have a late flowering daffodil. That is one of the possibilities because there are certainly early flowering ones. Somebody showed me a picture back in December, I think, of their first daffodil of the season. And that was three months ago, two, two months ago. And uh, so it's possible that you have a late flowering daffodil, but I, even then I would expect to see that little bud right close to the ground that hasn't yet shot up. No, there doesn't so, seem to be anything coming out of them. In the same general area, there are other ones yeah. that have you know, lots of flowers on them. But like I said, there's some that just have nothing. Tell you what to do, just for the just for the fun of it, to give you something to do, um, fertilize them. And you can use any bulb fertilizer or even miracle Grow. doesn't matter to me. It's not going to be as effective as fertilizing back in the fall and early winter because that's really the time when the roots are spreading out and they can really absorb a lot of fertilizer. But it's not going to hurt anything to fertilize now. Increase a lot of the leaf surface on the plant, and leaf surface absorbs sunshine, and we want as much sunshine as we can between now and June when they turn yellow, the leaves turn yellow and fall off. So fertilize now, John, and uh, call me next year. All right. I thank you very much. All right, John. We'll see you soon. We've got uh, Paul in Noonan down in Coweta County, who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man, how are you, Paul? Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. What's up? Uh, I cleared out some, thinned out my woods behind my house, and I have a pretty good-sized dogwood. It's probably 50 foot tall, yeah. but it grew straight up because it wasn't, get, I wasn't getting enough sun. Got it. But since I thinned it out, I've got a couple small ones about a foot and a half tall. Yeah. I'd like to move them, yeah. but I don't know... Really, how to? I don't know how the roots run. Do they run down or do they run out? Did you say dogwood or magnolia, Paul? Oh, magnolia. I'm sorry. Magnolia. All right. Um, have you seen that magnolia next to the old um, hospital there in Noonan? Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, for those of you who've never been to Noonan, which you should go to because Noonan is a classic, classic, classic southern city, but by the old hospital, there is a magnolia tree that, for reasons unknown, has spread out, the root system is spread out, what would you say, Paul, 20 feet, 30 20, feet? 20, 25 feet, yeah. Easy, and sort of pegged down to the ground. And so they're above ground. There's this mass and tangle of roots around this magnolia tree. It is a, it's something you ought to put on the visitation brochure for the city because it is something nobody's seen before. Interesting magnolia. All right, go back. Let's get Paula magnolia here. Um, they do not have really deep tap roots, and so if it's a foot and a half high, the tap root on it is going to go yeah, 14 inches probably, 16 maybe, but not hugely deep. Don't worry too much about it. Well, here's the problem. There's two of them, yeah. and they're probably about eight or nine inches apart. Big, long shovel. Okay. <laughs> That's all okay. you have to have. Uh, dig around that little clump of two there. Paul, uh, oh, I don't know, a couple of feet away from it maybe, so you isolate the clump, and then take a shovel and jam it up underneath there and sort of rock back and forth, and it'll pop that clump apart, even if the dirt falls apart from the roots. You can okay. take them and move them to the new place where you want to in your own landscape with the understanding. Here's one thing to understand, Paul. They may or may not bloom as well as other you know, named magnolias do. These have genetics that you just don't know where the mom and the daddy came from. You don't know whether they're going to bloom in five years or 15 years. You don't know that. But they're okay. pretty trees anyway. They're, they're gorgeous, as we say, gorgeous trees. So you might as well use them if you can, but don't expect blooms necessarily from these, from the woods. How about um, direct sun or partial sun? Direct. 
more okay. sun the better and uh, you know they're small but they still need some water they're going to suffer if you don't water them a few times during the summer so don't don't be one of those plant them in the ground and forget about them like uh, <clears throat> Walter Reeves does sometimes <laughs> um, so water them once in a while put some mulch on the ground underneath them make sure they're happy during the summer that'll be a good thing to get them started and maybe a little okay. starter fertilizer if you go to the uh, garden center there in Noonan and say I need some starter fertilizer they probably have a little box of that they'll be happy to sell you okay I appreciate it all right nothing to it thanks for calling Paul thank you magnolia trees what a pretty tree and not only do we have the evergreen southern magnolia which everybody knows you all know what a southern magnolia looks like but they're also what are called deciduous magnolias, meaning trees that lose their leaves that are magnolias still. And one of them that you'll see right now, driving around Atlanta, I see them all over the place, is the saucer magnolia. Saucer magnolias have big, sort of lavender, pinkish white flowers. They're how big? Two or three inches high and a couple of three, maybe inches wide. They're enormous. And even the leaves or the petals of the flowers are starting to fall off right now because they've been around for the last two or three weeks and the flowers are fading on them. But that's a type of deciduous magnolia. And then coming on in the next, ooh, it'll be three, four, five, six maybe weeks before the other big leaf deciduous magnolias start showing their flowers. And they are enormous. Most of them will actually be here in early summer. But the cucumber magnolia, the... Um, Let's see, the uh, umbrella magnolia, the big leaf magnolia, there's two or three more, all of which have enormous white flowers, enormous, enormous leaves. Leaves sometimes, I'm holding my elbow to my finger right now, easily 18 to 24 inches long and about 12 inches wide. These enormous leaved magnolias, all of them deciduous as compared to the evergreen magnolia that everybody's familiar with. Sandy is in Snellville. Sandy joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sandy, good morning. Hi. How are you? What you got? I got a big fig tree. Yeah. It's probably getting on to 12 feet tall and wider than that. All right. And I should have already pruned it. Yeah. All right. Saw it yesterday and went, nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. But what is it going to produce if I do prune now? Or should I just cut back what I really just don't want at all? If you do severe pruning... It's not going to produce very well because severe pruning shocks it into juvenility, and juvenility means it doesn't want to put in any flowers, doesn't want to make any figs. If you remove, I would think, I mean, use your, use your brain here, Sandy, but I would think if you remove less than 25% of where the foliage is going to be on the plant, and obviously it has no leaves right now, but you look at that plant, take away all the dead limbs, there are probably some dead limbs on there, and take those away to keep from confusing the issue, and look at the limbs and say, man, if I took one limb off right here, the tallest one or the widest one, or maybe two medium-sized ones on either side that are in the way on the driveway, and I take away less than 25% of the total eventual foliage, I don't think you're going to have much problem with juvenility, and I think you'll get a crop of figs in the summer. Okay. I, should, I know it should have been done earlier, and it's been there for Umpteen years, but yeah. <laughs> it does need some pruning back. Umpteen years. Umpteen, a very horticultural term there. Exactly. Uh, you know what it meant, though, didn't you? <laughs> I was at a restaurant the other night, and the guy came up to the uh, table, and he was describing one of the dishes. And it was a thing in a bread bowl, and he said, it's about yay high. <laughs> and I stopped oh, him oh, right yeah. there. <laughs> I uh-huh. said, where did you learn to say yay high? So, it's being born in the South. Being, actually, I think he was from Florida, so yes, indeed, oh, yeah. that's where he learned it. 
I do appreciate it. Now you want to come do it for me? You, no, 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 Sandy. That is your job. My job is to tell you what to do. Your job is to go and do it. Uh, we'll see well, you soon, Sandy. I appreciate that. Have a good one. Chris is in Calhoun, and Chris joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chris, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? All right. What's up? Hey, I bought a piece of property. And I call it the crawfish land. <laughs> All right. right. It's wet. Now we go with another words again, but yeah. it's, it's, it's swampy and it's full of broom sage. Ooh, okay. What what can I do to get a wet grass growing mm. and get rid of that broom sage so I can mow it? Oh, man. Is it firm enough that you can get a mower in there? Uh, semi. Yeah. <laughs> Semi, except after a rain. Uh, yeah. are, and are you talking about a tractor-mounted mower, or are you talking about a push mower? Uh, yeah, riding, zero riding. turn. Uh, All right. You got a ZTR, want to go back there and not get stuck. Right. Getting rid of the broom sedge is going to be tough um, control-wise. About the easiest way to do it, if it were me would be to get a little tank of uh, Roundup and go back there when the grass is turning green in the next, it'll be first of April probably, first or second week in April when the first clumps of, uh, first stems of green come out of each clump and just squirt each one as best you can with Roundup. I the mean, broom sage. Broom sage, yeah. Oh, Lord, this is a whole, a whole front yard Oh, have fun, Tris. <laughs> like I said to the lady earlier, my job is to tell you what to do. Your job is to do it. Well, uh, I understand that. But, um, but there's no better just... way. There's no particularly selective herbicide that will control it. Broom sage, as you know, has zillions of seeds on it, so you have to keep it mowed, which you're going to try to do. But trying to get right. rid of those individual uh, plants with all those seeds and about a million seeds to the acre – and all of them thinking the next five years they have a good long life in the soil. Uh, it's just going to be consistent mowing and consistent hitting the stumps, hitting the clumps with Roundup. I can't think of anything better. So I, I need to, you're saying pretty much kill it and then start yeah. over? Well, kill it or kill the clumps and then plant other grasses in there if you want to. But it being so swampy, that's not the best grass growing conditions. Bermuda grass is not going to like it being swampy. Fescue is not going to like it being swampy. You could try it and see. Uh, Bahia might grow out there. I'm going to cross my fingers and say might. But you don't have a lot of choices, quite honestly. If you've got a swampy area, one that stays moist most of the time, that's not great grass growing area. The nature has figured out what will grow there, and it is broom sage. And now you're going to get rid of the broom sage, and not much else is going to take it pla take its place. Is that uh, the broom sage? Is that cause of like the lack of lime? Not particularly. It goes. It does grow very well on poor soil, but that again is because nature has figured out a grass that will grow on poor swampy soil. Not because it's attracted to swampy soil or attracted to lack of lime or anything like that. It's all about the environment, and the environment is good for broom sage. If it was an attractive lawn grass or any kind of, you know, attractive area, I would say leave it alone. But it's not. It's stubbly and it hurts your feet when you walk on it. It's sort of a mess to, to have in the, in the yard. Chris, if somebody else comes up this morning and tells me another way, I will consider that. But right now, it's you and the mower and Roundup. It's 6.48 on a Saturday morning. We'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slate, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Something I haven't said so far this year. If you're going to get out in the garden, better dress accordingly because it's going to be warm this afternoon. It's going to be hot in the 80s. Get out of here. Mostly cloudy skies all afternoon. Highs in the low 80s. Showers developing eh, this afternoon, mostly in the northwest. Overnight showers continue. We have a little better chance of rain tomorrow. If you haven't put your pre-emergent out, today might be a good day to get that done. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on AM 750 WSB. At 655, we got Melvin in Austell, Georgia, joining us. Hey, Melvin, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm all right. What's up? I was going to see if you think it's time enough to put the beans in the ground. Not in a heartbeat, not a chance. No? Okay. Well, <laughs> the weather's kind of fooling me. Yo, the weather's got the <laughs> blindfold on you, Melvin. Have you been outdoors this morning, Melvin? It is 62 degrees outside. Yeah, it's really nice. I've been outside. All right. It's really, really nice. Here, let me, let me expound just a minute on this, Melvin. The real thing that governs whether you can put most any seed in the ground is what is the soil temperature not as what is the air but what is the soil and soil right. temperatures as you can imagine only rise slower slowly and slower certainly than air temperatures which can vary from day to day by 10 degrees but in the soil it varies by a half a degree maybe higher okay. lower higher lower and right now the soil temperatures are in the mid 50s and it would only take a couple of nights of nighttime temperatures down in the 40s for the soil temperature to drop back down to the low 50s. And seeds for beans, corn, tomatoes, squash, all the warm okay. summer, warm summer things. Well, is there anything I can do out there? I mean, I can fertilize the trees or anything? Or? Fertilize your trees. Yes, sir. You fertilize your trees. You can plant uh, broccoli, um, lettuce. Um, you do, 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 do. Those are plants. Now, not from seed, but from plants. You get to the garden center, run to pike, get some broccoli and some lettuce. And uh, herbs you can plant right now. Rosemary would be fine. Uh, not basil, probably. It's a little too cold for that. Thyme you can plant right now. Fertilize your trees. Yeah, you can fertilize trees this afternoon, Melvin. Okay. And fruit, the fruit trees, right? Fruit trees, too. You bet. Oh, you can use 10, 10, 10 or something else. Yeah, go to my website, Melvin, and look and just type okay. in the specific trees you have. Apple, peach, grape, whatever you got. And get the details on how much to fertilize them there. All right? It's 6.57 on a Saturday morning talking about crepe myrtle pruning. Crab apples not producing. What kind of grass to plant that spreads and kills weeds? Laura Pedlum problems in Marietta. We'll talk about all that in the next half hour right after news. Ah! 